you are listening to Inside the Desert Oasis Room, episode number 192. This episode is sponsored by the Tiki Bar T-Shirt Club, where their monthly t-shirt designs pay tribute to a Polynesian bar or restaurant from days long past. Each design is available for a limited time and will never be produced again. For the collectors out there, be sure to check out their subscription program, where they offer a discounted 3, 6, or 12-month plan, or you can always buy shirts one at a time. For more information and to check out this month's shirt, visit TikiBarTshirtClub.com. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Tiki Tea, a family-owned and operated tropical drink bar in Los Angeles, California. Come get their house specialty, The Ray's Mistake, for only $6 on Wednesdays until 9 p.m. For more information, check out their website, tiki-ti.com. If you have a product, service, or event that you'd like to bring attention to, we can help. This podcast reaches thousands of listeners in over 100 countries every week. Imagine hearing your ad in this spot, just like you're hearing this one right now. Sponsor an episode and get the exposure you deserve. For more information, go to DesertOasisRoom.com and click on Services. Today we chat with Alex Lamb and Max Well from Surf Monkey Films about their latest project, The Dawn of Tiki, a documentary about the godfather of tiki, Don Beach, also known as Don the Beachcomber. Learn about their backgrounds, how they decided to create a documentary about Don Beach, what they've learned along the way, and what the future of their project holds. And, exclusive to this podcast, Alex and Max share an audio recording of Don Beach himself. Hear him tell a funny story about one of his good friends, Marlene Dietrich. As always, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did bringing it to you. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider helping us with your support during this challenging time. Stop by DesertOasisRoom.com to check out our merch or leave us a tip. We've got pendants, t-shirts, glassware, and more. And every purchase or donation, no matter the size, is very much appreciated and helps keep this podcast coming to you every week. Alrighty, grab a QB cooler and join us inside the Desert Oasis Room. And give it up for the crew from the Dawn of Tiki. Alex Lamb and Max Well. We are back with another episode of Inside the Desert Oasis Room. Welcome back. And today we have special guests in the Desert Oasis Room, our friends from Surf Monkey Films, Alex Lamb, Max Well, and Taryn Rohrabach, who's actually just going to be observing at this time. But we have her here enjoying some cocktails. And we have quite a bit of things to talk about. Welcome everyone thank you it's great to be back yeah oh are we allowed to say we've been here before you are okay it's <laughs> yeah, great to yeah. be back i love it yeah. i love it i am speechless right now because i just saw a i guess this is like the the the, 
the Kickstarter teaser video of yeah. what you guys are working on for the new documentary about Ernest Raymond Beaumont Gant, a.k.a. Don the Beachcomber, a.k.a. Don Beach, for a documentary called The Dawn of Tiki. Yes. I am so excited by what I saw. <laughs> Good I, I, I am like, I am seriously like blown away by what I saw. I don't even know where to start now. I'm, I'm still like, I'm reacting in, in, you know, I don't even know like how to, how to express into words, like how excited I am about the film and about what you guys are doing. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank very you very much. So yeah. It's funny you say thank you because I was going to start by, by thanking you guys for doing this. Um, you know, I know that you guys have been making films for quite a while. Surf uh -huh. Monkey Films has been around for how long? Uh, ten years? Ten, yeah, around ten, ten years. Ten years, maybe. Yeah, that's a... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Alex and I met actually in school in two, around 2005 or so. 2005, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then we've been working together, yeah, off and on for most of the last 10 years. Yeah. So let's start with your bios because obviously you're well versed in what you do. The production value for what you guys are doing for this Dawn of Tiki documentary is off the charts. It's, it's amazing. Um, let's start with your bios. How did Surf Monkey Films get its start? Was it when you guys met in school? It was a few years after school. We Let's see, I, I forget exactly why we started it. We, we were doing a bit of work together, and then people started paying us, and it was like, oh, we, <laughs> we need to have a company, yeah. a, a bank account, and a website. I think it was mostly so we, had a, we could have a bank account, because uh, yeah. there was no way to, like, we needed to, like, rent equipment and, and purchase things and sell things as a company, uh, right. you know, it, um, I think that really it was really just out of necessity. Is the only yeah, reason we, we sort of, made it, we, we made a company. Somebody was like, "Who do we write the check to?" And we were like, "Uh, give us a <laughs> yeah. just, a, just a minute." Um, although we should we should note that, that we're actually we're technically running this production through Beachcomber Productions. Oh, okay. Which, is a, which okay. is a side business that we created specifically for this doc. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 I mean, oh, interesting. Because it's this is a it's a large project and it's going to take some time and just to keep there's a, also a lot of financial stuff involved with raising the money and, and all of gotcha. that so to just keep to everything keep it sort kind of, of insulated separate, yeah. separate from yeah. surf monkey yeah to makes it a little simpler that way yeah. i'm curious about other films that you've worked on in the past is there anything that you can talk about that that uh, maybe we might be familiar with or w what have you done before sure um let's see probably the things that People mostly would have seen yeah. would be the the jib jab storybots stuff. Yeah. Right? So we, there's a there's a Netflix a, show. It's a kids show yeah. called Ask the Storybots, and uh, it's made by an animation company called Jib Jab. They they started out by doing all those animated dancing cards, and we used to do work for them uh, as Surf Monkey for a long time. And then they started making this show, which is an animated show, but they would have uh, live action celebrity guest stars on the show okay so we've filmed a lot of episodes for them where we're essentially filming like you know weird al yankovic or yeah, ed or norton or snoop like Dogg. snoop Dogg talking to nobody talking to like animated characters so <laughs> we'll shoot like a scene where we're just filming whoever the celebrity is for that episode 
talking to like a cup, you know, and, gotcha. and then the animators yeah, take yeah. it. And, they like the MCU stuff where they're <laughs> acting to a tennis ball. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That kind yeah, of exactly. stuff, right? Yeah. There's <laughs> a lot of that kind of magic that happens behind the scenes in filmmaking. This particular project sounds like it's it's probably then a little bit different than what you're used to doing. Well, yes and no. I, yeah, I, Max has a lot of documentary. Yeah. Uh, okay. out, kind of outside of some of the stuff that we've done together, I, I did a lot of work with another company for the last 15 years that... Uh, produces primarily documentary content. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So I did a lot of projects with the National Park Service, um, some state parks, uh, f- museums, stuff like that. So, yeah. So my background really is in documentary, and I, I mostly do more commercial stuff now. But documentary is kind of my my love. Yeah, and kind of our our trades. I mean, like like outside of Surf Monkey Films, when we're working on our own is I'm in post-production I'm an editor and Max is a cinematographer and this project um, is something that we we both just wanted to create and direct and make it happen Um, so for like a a feature-length documentary like this this is like the first thing we've really ever done where we've been the directors yeah working on it together yeah Yeah. okay in that in that respect yeah wow that's interesting that's interesting. So it's an interesting topic as well. Don the Beachcomber, Don Beach, the Don of Tiki. <laughs> I want to start by asking you, who's the genius who thought of the name? Alex was that genius. <laughs> because yeah, that name I, is, that name, I got to tell you, man, it's super creative. That, what's weird is I think we were having a meeting on the phone and we kept, we were like, what are we going to call this thing? We should call it something because we need, I, probably because we needed to create that LLC and stuff, and we were like, "What are we going to call this movie?" Um, and then I, like, I didn't really think about. It. I was just like, "What if we just call it the Dawn of Tiki?" Because um, he's like, you know, he's, he's like the Dawn. He's, he's the, the God, Dawn. He's the like, Godfather. He's the Godfather. Yeah. And it's the beginning of Tiki, and his name is Dawn. Yeah, that's the other and thing. Then, it's the yeah, Dawn. And we were like, of "Oh wow!" And then like all of us kind of had this like Inception moment where like, "Oh, it just keeps." going inside itself well yeah. that, that's the thing is that <laughs> and even when i realized that i thought holy moly what a creative name yeah right the dawn of tiki being the beginning of tiki the dawn of tiki being the godfather of tiki the dawn of tiki being the guy named don yeah in this tiki and that actually subculture the spelling of it goes to marie king because i think we wanted to do d-o-n because we were like well sometimes he spells his name d-o-n and sometimes it's d-o-n-n yeah and, uh, but we were like, but Don, like Mafia Don would be D-O-N. Right. Um, so we're like, let's just do Don of Tiki. And then she, she pointed out, she's like, well, his name really was D-O-N-N though, even though it's Don. And then I think when we saw it written that way, yeah. it just looks so much cooler. It cause better. it's like, cause yeah. then it really tells you if you don't know anything about this guy, you're like, well, why is it spelled that way? And it's like the first of many things that doesn't make sense about Don. Yeah. That he, spe- he spells Dawn so with, with two, two ends, ends. Two ends. Well, and then <laughs> even the graphic that you guys are using as the logo for the documentary, even the 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 font is very much period correct. It, it's a, a, a of an Art Deco style, right? And it's uh, everything about it is just very. Uh, it's it's super creative, so uh, super cool. I was I was really like impressed by that i'm curious how you guys were drawn to the don the beachcomber story because you know 
when when you first started posting all of this stuff, people were asking in the Tiki community, who are these guys and what do they know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so how how were you drawn to Don? What brought you to tell his story? Well, let's see. So back in 2019, I guess we started talking about maybe doing a short docu series highlighting some of the tiki spots in in LA. We both, you know, we were moved. we were interested in doing like historical tiki places. Yeah. In our area and just interviewing them. Right. Cuz um, we thought the history was, is cool and just the the vibe, the ambiance yeah is cool and appealing to us just visually. And we just wanted to do it as like a YouTube kind of series, you know. Right, right. Um, and then the more people we talked to uh, everybody lit up when they talked about Dawn and then they would start telling us these outrageous stories some of them you know we had never heard before some of them we had but it was always like um, everybody focused on Dawn and we suddenly realized like this guy is the story um, at least the story that we were drawn to I think yeah mul- multiple people were said something along the lines of oh it all goes back to Dawn Beach right and we're like okay right. well yeah. That's the movie then. Well, yeah, and the more that you learn about him, the more you realize, like, he was a storyteller. I think we're drawn to him as storytellers and Mm -hmm. the fact that he's a storyteller, even with his own life, like, he's telling stories, like, you know, deciphering what's accurate and what's just Dawn's stories is kind of the biggest challenge of this whole thing. And that's what makes him intriguing, right? (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And, And all the more, it makes you think, like, Wow, who is this guy really? Like, we know what we think we know, right? But then there's so much more to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that was—I I honestly do think, like, I like that's like our cute little ending to our pitch video. But I do think that was kind of his plan was to always have it be kind of a mystery because yeah. Yeah. that's much more interesting than real life a lot of the times. Although. Don is like kind of a rare case we've decided where his real life might actually be interesting than all the stories he tells. Like, yeah, I mean, it's he certainly lived an extraordinary life by any standard, and you it, and it's funny. It's like you said, that's one of the intriguing things about him as you go in, and it's like there's all these incredible stories, and figuring out what's true and what isn't is half the battle, yeah. you know. Yeah. And but but some of the stuff. You know, it's like he really kind of created a character. So, sure. so there's yeah. there's Don yeah. Beach, the person, Ernest Raymond Beaumont Gant, you know, born Ernest Raymond Beaumont Gant. And then there's the Don the Beachcomber character that he created. But he also lived the life of a beachcomber. And so, so, so how different was the character from the real guy? Was, was it one and the same, or did he hang his hat at the end of the day and become Ernest Raymond I, Beaumont Gant? I think he really was the character that he created. I mean, there's some stuff that is embellished. Sure. And some things that, some stories he tells which maybe just didn't happen at all. But really, his life is not that far off from, from the character that he created. Yeah. I, I kind of think of it as like a, like, like a talk show host, like on like late night TV or like a, like a, like a shock jock like Howard Stern or something like he is Don the Beachcomber but when he's portraying himself as Don the Beachcomber he's bumping everything up like mm. another 10 or 20%. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think all of that is really inside of 
who he was as a person. Okay, okay. You guys are gathering a lot of information and a lot of footage I've never seen before, photos I've never seen before. And those things don't happen if this project doesn't happen. So you're, you're recording a lot of things historically. What are the things that you've gathered so far and maybe that we, maybe you didn't expect that you were going to gather things that uh, maybe surprised you? And also, what are you learning along the way as you are uncovering these uh, pieces of footage and making these interviews with the people who knew Don? Well, first off, we have to say, uh, you know, we've had a huge helping hand from Tim Glasner, who is also writing a book about Don. Mm -hmm. Um, And he has been doing research for years. And I think he, you know, I mean, you'd have to ask Tim, but I kind of feel like when we first talked to Tim, he was kind of like, who are you guys and why yeah, are you doing yeah. this? Like what? Cause it was a little bit like we were stepping on his toes. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine that he didn't see it that way. Um, and, <laughs> and but, it wasn't just him. I mean, I'm a yeah. long time Tiki guy and people all around me were asking the same questions. Like, who are these guys and what do they know? Because again, now as you've learned, Don's story is so nuanced. Right. And, People are protective about making sure the history is accurate, especially if this subculture that we're so passionate right. about. Right. Well, it, there, there is so we, some of the information in the film is has been publicly available stuff for a while, right? Like some some stuff that Jeff Barry dug up, mm-hmm. and some stuff that Tim has in his his book on the Maikai. and and then there are a handful of other people who have kind of delved into this stuff, but there's. Some of that information is out in the public, some is not. We have had a lot of help from Tim, who's been doing research. And then the other source of information has been uh, Phoebe, who was married to Don from the... Phoebe was really the beginning for us. I think think at that point, we realized we're actually making a movie about Don. Um, Is we, once we got a hold of Phoebe in New Zealand, who's, uh, I mean, I think she's been married... uh, three times so her Don was her first husband then she married uh, Arnold Bittner who wrote a book about they wrote Don a book yeah mm-hmm. as a gift for her which is weird and crazy I was gonna itself. say that's, yeah. that's interesting <laughs> <Yeah>. yes <laughs> um, but, but essentially what is so Phoebe had been saving all the stuff Don had like saved all this stuff and he had always wanted to write a book about himself but um, Phoebe says he couldn't do it because he just he wasn't that kind of person, which um, is really endearing, but also kind of like hard to believe based on what we know about Don. And like he'd love to tell stories about himself, yeah. but I guess just like sitting down and, and writing like the book of his life, he was just like it's not that important, yeah. is what Phoebe said. Like he just he couldn't uh, bring himself to write this book. Yeah. So Arnold Bittner kind of picked up all those notes and everything. Mm-hmm. And then when the first time we talked to Phoebe and her husband on the phone, she's like, well, there's this guy who's writing a book, Tim. And then she connected us to Tim. Yep. And, um, and then it was really about the information Tim had and then the information Phoebe was giving all of us. 
because uh, Phoebe really wanted this documentary to happen as well as Tim's book. And um, we've kind of just all been working together as a team. So Phoebe, uh, all of this stuff that she's been saving of Don's personal belongings, his journals, his photographs, everything that he's ever right, had right, in his life right. that he saved, she's been traveling around the world with it for everywhere she's, she's lived. She's just been carrying she, it. Yeah. 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 And she... Um, she, she, a couple months ago, she just shipped everything to Tim. So Yeah, so Tim has everything now. And it's thousands of pages of documents, wow. journal, you know, like writing that wow. Don did. It's business plans, it's photographs, it's... Blueprints. Yeah, it's, blueprints for it was, some of his projects. It was projects. like crates full of stuff. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So Tim's basically been digitizing stuff for... I don't, a couple of months. I know. Months. Yeah. Like, I yeah. wish we were closer because, like, we keep saying, like, we wish we could help you, but we're so far away. And yeah. with the travel, uh, you know, that's why we're we're trying to raise money now because we're finally at a place where we're allowed to travel again. Right. Um, right. Because we haven't been able to. We've only been getting interviews locally to Southern California because sure. that's all that we've been able to do with the pandemic and everything. Right. There's so much great information, even from locally that it seems like such a daunting task to sift and sort, manage, catalog all the stuff that you guys are capturing. I'm curious how you guys are managing all of that and also if anything else has come up that where you've thought like, wow, so let's, let me start by asking this. Let's, we'll do this in a couple parts. So let's say the first part, how are you managing all the data that you're getting now? And how are you going to break this all down <laughs> into something that's like an hour, hour and a half, whatever the length of this yeah. documentary is? How are you going to choose what to include? It is a challenge. It is, like you said, it's a ton of information and it's, it's also sort of a rabbit hole, right? Like we keep finding new stuff that we didn't expect to find. Um, I but, can imagine. Yeah. So the way we're thinking of it is we're kind of breaking it down by chapters in Don's life, right? So okay. there's sort of the, his early life from, you know, which is, there's still relatively little known from his birth up to the time where he opens his first place in Hollywood. And then there's this kind of window from 33 to 40 mm-hmm. where that's the kind of the heyday of the original right, original right. Don's restaurant and then the, the place across the street at 1720, uh, 1727 27, 27. instead of 22. Um, so that's like 33 to 40. And then there's a little bit of World War II stuff in there as well. And then after that is kind of mostly it's a lot of stuff in Hawaii and then some other projects that he had throughout the South Pacific. And there's a lot of stuff, really interesting stuff that Don did later in life that a lot of people just don't know about or that doesn't get a lot of attention. And so there's some stuff he did in Hawaii. Like he's, he's really responsible for in many ways for the historical Lahaina district in Maui. Yeah. And he had a huge role in the international marketplace. Yeah. yeah. Um, Basically created the international marketplace. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So there's a lot of work he did there. And then he had some other just really interesting projects in Singapore and Hong Kong and 
Samoan floating like, gambling restaurants. Uh, yeah. He was really into floating like river boats and putting ah, them in exotic places. Interesting. Like, <laughs> right. So so to to segue back to where we were, it's sort of like Don's early life, the formation of, of Don's Beachcomber Cafe and so on, and then World War Two and then we kind of get into like his later life. And then the the third the last third of the film is kind of his legacy. So it's like Oh, okay. Where you know, yeah. how how yeah. the tiki scene sort of developed from from Don's early influence, and then where we are now. Oh, I've got stuff to say about that. Those two pieces that you just said there, that uh, I really want to discuss with you guys because <laughs> it's it's kind of a mind blowing thing. But the second part of this question as well is from all this this discovery. You know, this, this tiki subculture is so complex and you start seeing things like now you've got this tie in with Trader Vic. That's part of Don's story. Yeah. And there's a whole other subject matter there with him. And then Oceanic Arts, that's part of Don's story. There's a whole subject matter there with them. And then you've got Tiki T and Ray Buen. That's part of Don's story. And there's a whole subject matter yeah. there with them. And, and as you can imagine, you know, now we're, we're, we're at an intersection where we can go all of these different pathways to tell all of these other stories. Yeah. Has, has that given you guys any thought about other things that you can expound well, upon? Well, ironically, we kind of shot what we originally intended to shoot which was like these little documentaries about right. all these historic <laughs> places like you know yeah. like and, and it, it's like oh well now in doing this big project we kind of have all these tiny little documentaries yeah. and they're like yeah. you know we could have like a 20 minute documentary about oceanic arts or tiki tea or yeah. any of these places you know um and it, it really has you know there it, it it's unfortunate because you know, not everything can go in the movie. Um, well, the I movie guess what I'm leading to is that could this possibly lead you to other projects that are related? Yeah, right? it is. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, and there may be, you know, there's potentially a follow-up project because there is going to be so much information that probably won't be able to make the, the film just because we don't have enough time. Sure. So, yeah, there's potentially yes, but we're... At this point, we're like so focused on this project. I totally get it. Yeah. I totally get it. But I'm also coming from, as a tiki guy, a, a selfish perspective, right? I'd love to see a documentary on the Buens yeah. and the Tiki Tea and, and their whole, you know, the starting with his story of immigrating from the Philippines and finding his way into Dons and the path that that led him down. Yeah. And then Oceanic Arts, I'd love to see a story on those guys and their contribution to this whole tiki subculture and how they influenced movie making and TV and, and, and hospitality and, and all of that stuff and everything that they built, even with theming, theme parks and all that kind right. of stuff. I think there's a story there. And then, of course, Trader Vic's, who was yeah. a staunch competitor of Don's. And if we want to even go down that path, we can look at Stephen Crane, mm -hmm. yeah. right, who was also in, in, in that category. So there's so much, you know, and, and it's someone like me, I want to see all of it. Right? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a world where there could be like a Marvel Cinematic Universe of just like these totally. geeky guys. <laughs> totally, <laughs> right? The ultimate crossover. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> totally. Through time and space. Yeah. <laughs> 
without giving anything away with what you've learned so far and things that you've found, what are some interesting things that you can share that you've, you've learned about Don or anything related to his story? Hmm, let's see, some things that we... <laughs> it's tricky because we want to, there's some cool stuff that we know we want to save for right. the movie. Right, without giving anything away. I, I also don't want to spoil it for you guys. Right. But, no, no. Well, we could say, okay, so one thing that we, we have come up with that has been a great surprise is the audio recordings of this interview that Don gave in 1987, a couple of years before he died. Um, so we had seen a transcript of this interview and we had found mention of the audio in a couple of places the tape. On, so online. So it's set on there, like, like it, tape, tape two starts here, whatever, right, right. the transcript. So yeah. like these tapes have to exist somewhere. Yeah. Um, and we just started reaching out to people and like the Watermill Foundation, I don't mm -hmm. think exists anymore or like it like we reached out we tried to figure out how to reach out to them and then they led us to was it the state university of hawaii we should the look library? this up because i yeah. think contractually we have to uh, we have to say mention them yeah. in a specific way <laughs> we'll, we'll look that up in just a second but so right so up. yeah so we anyway we did we actually were able to get permission to use the audio recordings in the film that's awesome. Um, and most of this stuff is uh, nobody has ever heard before. So That is awesome. And the idea of having Don tell his own story for part of the movie. That, yeah. that think, is awesome. We, we think we is really, really, really cool. We really wanted him to be the narrator. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. You know, we, we don't want to oh have. Oh, my God. That is, that's mind-blowing yeah. <laughs> that he's going to narrate <laughs> this documentary or even part of the documentary that's mind-blowing yeah that that was that's really was the idea and i think once we I, I remember the day we got the email and i didn't see the email i just saw a, max just texted me he's like look at your email look at your email we got the tapes and I, wow <laughs> and I, I think at that point we were like oh so this is actually happening because i think everything up until then was just us it was an about, idea. Like, this yeah. would be really cool to do this. Yeah. But then once we got those tapes, it became more of like a responsibility. Like, well, no, now we went this deep. Yeah, we now, have to, now, we now have you have to follow yeah, through now, with now, it. now you have to do something with it. So here's what's interesting. You said earlier that Don didn't really want to tell his story, right? Right. That Phoebe was like, yeah, well, he didn't really want to tell his story. But now he's going to be narrating his own story. <laughs> he's yeah. going to be narrating yeah. a story of, told about him. It's kind well, of ironic in a way. Right? Yeah, and I and I don't I don't want to make it seem like Don didn't want his story told. It, it just so wasn't much as it was. It like, just wasn't as yeah, important to him. Exactly. To tell yeah. It's it's like to sit down and write a book. Like clearly, he did this interview. Um, yeah. You know, right. he he seemed to. You know, and we'll we'll play a piece of the interview, but like he, he oh, seemed to relish in telling these stories of his life. He's he, an incredible storyteller. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, and what Phoebe told us about the him, him writing the book thing is that deep down he's really kind of a humble guy, and it just like didn't feel right that he's, you know, 
essentially bragging about, bragging his, about himself. Yeah. yeah. And I suppose that's what, what yeah. I mean and that's yeah. what you guys mean. But I just find it ironic that now he's not only going to tell the story of his life, but he's going to tell it in a documentary about his life while film <laughs> and photos play in the background. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, people who are alive today, you know, years after his death who are all still affected and carrying on sort of this legacy of who he was and what yeah, he started. Yeah. So here's a recording. Um, this is a recording of Don talking about his bar in the 30s. And it's him telling a story about uh, a night that Marlene Dietrich came into the bar. And, you know, just this funny, embarrassing story that he has to tell. Okay. Um, so the, these tapes, so just so we give them due credit, these were recorded by Alice Sineski. She's the one interviewing Don. This was in 1986, so it was only a few years before he died. Oh, 86, okay. Um, and it was, it was for the Wadamal Foundation Oral History Project, which is now, basically, that is all being kept by... Um, the Hawaiian and Pacific Collections, University of Hawaii at Manoa Library. Oh, how cool. Yeah. So that that they gave us permission to use this in the documentary, permission to play it and everything, and, and we just wanted to give them credit for doing that because, you know. Very cool, very cool. So, yeah, let's play this. Uh, we had people like... Uh, uh, Chaplin and uh, uh, Marlene Dietrich. She was a, a great delight. I, I think I have to tell you this because it's a little risque, but uh, it, it gives you insight on uh, those days. She had just finished this picture called The Blue Angel, I think it was, and, and she, she liked this drink that I made. It was called the uh, Gold Cup. A lovely rum cocktail, and it was a favorite. One of her entourage called me in the afternoon. He says, uh, Marlena is coming after the theater, after the opening it was a premiere at the Grumman's Chinese Theater, and she would like to have about possibly 12 people. Now, you could only get 30 people in there on each other's shoulders, you know. I said, You know, Marlena, we don't. You tell her that she knows that I don't reserve in it tables because it's not doing well he says do the best you can and she arrived about 11 o'clock with 14 people and, and there was people standing at the bar and over here there were three little tables and people with their backs to the table uh, with the wall there and, and you had to walk past that to get out the door in the door and uh, they traipsed in and she came through in a gold lamé gown, beautiful gown. And she had a lovely figure, you know. And she, there was no place to sit. And they all sort of behind the bar, the people sitting at, standing at the bar, sitting at the bar. And uh, I made a drink for her, her favorite, the gold cup. And she was standing up, and just as she started to pick it, I made it and I handed it to her, just as she started to pick it up, Someone bumped her, uh, unintentionally, of course, and uh, it fell right down her bosom. Ice, and it was an iced drink, you see. <laughs> In this little room, uh, the bar, 
Uh, there was no toilet in there. They had to go through the lobby and out through the hall to find this little, uh, there wasn't proper ladies' lounge. It was a toilet. You opened the door and you sat down. <laughs> anyway, uh, I grabbed some towels and rushed around the bar and grabbed her by the arm and I took her out. And uh, I found this uh, door and opened it. And there was nothing. She had to turn around and sit down, you see. And I started to close the door, and I was shoving the towels into her. And she said, for Christ's sake, come and help me. I can't get this gown off, you know. And she was sitting, and the stress was holding, and it was wet. Here she wanted me to take her gown down and to dry her off. Well, I'm standing there like an idiot, and the door was open because I couldn't get two people in there, you know. And she's sitting down, and I'm standing in front of her and mopping her, you see. And she had I pulled her lovely gown down, finally got it off of her shoulders. And I was doing this, you see. And, I, and she, she tells the story on me because the look on my face, of course, at that time. And here I'm doing that, you see. Uh, so uh, she, she was a great delight. Wow, I, that is so cool. So I have so many things to say. <laughs> so many things to say. Let me start by saying he had an unusual way of speaking. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm trying to nail down what kind of accent. That it, in some ways it sounded English. Mm-hmm. In some ways it sounded like, like the old American style of talking at the turn of the century. And you can hear the grizzle in his voice, like that he was a man of experience and wisdom and adventure. And cigars. And cigars. <laughs> <laughs> but how great is that? He had Marlon Dietrich asking him to take her gown off. And I also I love when he tells the story and he's like, It's it's spilled on her bosom. Right. And then he pauses, he's like, It was an iced drink. Right, it was an iced drink, yeah. <laughs> To make sure, to make sure you understand the point. Yeah. Wow, wow. Well, let me start by saying thank you for sharing that with us because that is a huge treat. I don't think anybody's heard that outside of you guys. Possibly not. Yeah. Or at least very few people. Very few. Yeah. yeah. Now, here's an interesting thing, and and this is the the privilege and the dilemma of of working with this material. Right, so Don mentions um, the premiere of the Blue Angel. I think is the is the film he references, which came out in 1930. So the timeline doesn't quite match yeah. up, right? Because this we think would have been right. between 33 and 37. Mm-hmm. And now you can chalk that up to that's just a movie that she was really well known for, and he's recalling something that happened 50 yeah. years ago. Yeah, um, it could mean a couple things. I mean, when was this? Do you know the recording oh, this date? Was, so this, this was, was 80, I guess it was 86 when they how, actually how did old the recording. Was he? How old was he at that time? So he was 79, I think, at that point. So he could also just be, yep. uh, he's an old guy trying to recall yeah. a date, and right. so maybe he just doesn't have it right in his head. Yes. Yeah. And it doesn't take away anything from the story, but it just means that as we go through all of this stuff, it's like we yeah. kind of have to... Yeah, yeah. Not fact check it, but we have no, to. No, I know exactly what you're saying is yeah. that you now you have to think about how accurate is the content 
right? Uh, right. Not that it's, like you said, that the story is not legitimate or anything, but like the date of 1930, just now that throws it off. Mm-hmm. Right. right. So. Yeah, and there are little things like that, and it doesn't really give us any reason to doubt the ver- the veracity of the story. Sure. Like there, there are sure. photos of her at that time, in that time period. She also sent him a photo there when he was in the war, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like an autographed photo. So, so yeah. we're we're certain we're pretty certain that it happened. Yes, we're, we know that it's not something that he's making up. Right. It's right. just collecting all the details and yeah. trying to figure out, you know. We're, we have a, we have a responsibility to try to tell this as accurately as possible. Of course, and of yeah. course, Don doesn't make that easy all the time. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, is it his his accent? Uh, Don's one of Don's nephews told us that he thinks he got the accent from uh, when he was when he was in the war, and he was overseas, mm-hmm. and he was he was entertaining people like Churchill. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Phoebe told us that that was an accent that he kind of put on whenever there was a microphone in front of him. Oh, um, it was his showman was kind, voice. It was a showman mm-hmm. voice, and, and at the beginning of the uh, at the beginning of the tapes, you, you actually um, you actually hear uh, the woman interviewing him has ask like. She's like, I think you can just use your regular voice. Um, and, and so, like, they clearly had a discussion about it about before they started recording. He was like, how do you want me to talk? Wow. You know, when I watched the Kickstarter video, I was intrigued also by what I heard there because there was a little bit of the transatlantic voice yeah. happening, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. which was something that happened in the early 20th century, right? Or all the broadcasters talk a little bit like this. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, it's obviously not the way that he naturally talked after yeah. hearing this. Right. So interesting. Wow. You know, there's so many things that come to mind when I think about Don the Beachcomber and his little cafe. I was at Tiki Oasis in Arizona last weekend, and we discussed this on the podcast we recorded there, as a matter of fact. And you and I have discussed this before, Alex. If not for Don the Beachcomber, we would all not be sitting here right now. Yeah. It, it's an interesting thought because, you know, this is a guy that, as eccentric as he was, when he opened the, the Beachcomber Cafe, he was still a young guy in his 20s. <laughs> and, you know, he, he, he just opened a restaurant. He wasn't a, somebody who cured cancer or... or ended slavery or invented the automobile he just opened like this little corner cafe in a hotel lobby and a hundred years later all of our lives have been affected by a guy who just opened a restaurant right yeah and when you think about this whole path of where we are today there would be no trader vicks without don's there would be no steve crane there would be no Tiki era, Polynesian pop era, there would be no resurgence, there would be no Jeff Berry, there would be no Sven Kirsten, Otto von Stroheim, or anything that is related to what is happening today. It's kind of a mind-blowing thing. Have you guys ever thought about that? I guess not in that way necessarily yeah but uh, yeah I guess if you do kind of go all the way back it's like yeah he spawned you know competitors and imitators 
And all it's, of that kind of turned into what we It's now so crazy. Know. So, yeah. I think about like my favorite bar, the Tiki Tea, which would not exist without Don the Beachcomber because there would be no Ray Buin, right? Ray wouldn't have, I mean, he wouldn't have had the Don the Beachcomber to work at in the first place. And if Don didn't do what he did, if, if he, say he opened this cafe and he didn't do that Beachcomber style and he just did it as a French cafe or, you know, yeah. Something that is just kind of just middle of the road. Yeah. Right? Like how different history would be. Yeah. And it's, and I wonder, I have thought about that sometimes. Like, what if he did something different? Because he, Don was a guy, he didn't have a ton of resources, right? He wasn't like, he didn't go to Oxford for his education sure. or something. Sure. He was just this amazingly charismatic person who had traveled around the world and collected some weird stuff and could really just endear himself to almost anybody he talked to. So I think he would have been pretty successful in anything Something, that right. he did. Yeah, and I, I, I think I think his his biggest influence really is and I like I because tiki like the tiki culture and pop Polynesian culture that came about uh, I feel like that's really, it, like, it starts back at Dawn's, but it's it's also kind of like a chain reaction sure. of what Dawn started. It, like, mm -hmm. Dawn was the first domino that fell, but, like, you know, like Sven will say, like, it wasn't a tiki bar, it was a beachcomber bar. It was a beachcomber bar, right? bar. Yeah. And it's right. like that, you know, he, and it was, it was kind of just the this perfect storm of, like, Everything in Don's life led up to him opening this bar. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's so weird, but it's like he had the unique experience of, you know, traveling to Jamaica as a child mm -hmm. and and, uh, and and then and then as like an early, early adult what today we would consider a child still, you know, like in his early 20s, traveling around the world in the South Seas and learning how to make these cocktails, then coming back during Prohibition when everybody is drinking, you know, he he refers to it as bathtub gin. Sure. Um, and well, he didn't, but he didn't really learn the cocktails from his travels. He he came up with the cocktails. Well, but he here. learned he learned the daiquiri and he learned the and he learned oh, the Carib the, some of the Caribbean yeah, stuff. Yeah, sure. and and um, what was and the planter's punch. Yeah, yeah. But and he learned those cocktails. But then what he did is when he came here, and it's like, well, once prohibition ended and nobody wanted rum, they just wanted their alcohol back. They yeah, wanted their yeah. whiskey that they liked right, or their right, gin. Right. Um, now rum was cheap, right? And he had access to it, and right. he uniquely knew how to make some drinks. But then he started changing it and adding to it and creating these drinks that yeah. had you know, 16 ingredients in them. And that today is still the same. Like, yeah, we, like, yeah. like you still go to a tiki bar and there will be 16 like sure, ingredients sure. in your cocktail. And that's really, I think, his biggest thing that he did. Like His like, influence. His biggest influence, I think, is that kind of well, changed the American cocktail. Yeah, but again, also, if he didn't open this Beachcomber yeah. Cafe, 
we would have never learned about him because if right. he was doing that, like he, if he was doing that in his own home, yeah, bar, his kitchen, it's not something that would have be, become this prolific thing that Trader Vic's tried to reverse engineer. And then, right, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like it's that whole you drop the pebble and you got that whole ripple. Yeah, right. So, um, it's it's an interesting thought. I'm curious what kind of uh, feedback you're getting from the community so far. Well, so far, everyone has been just really Everyone's supportive. Been awesome. Yeah, I mean, people are interested in what we're doing and they want to see how they can help. And yeah, we're getting a lot of love from from everybody. That's and, great. Yeah, so it's it's been pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you know, because I, I think, like you said in the beginning, like who are these guys and what do they know? And the answer really is nobody and not much when we started this project we were nobody and we didn't know much but we really wanted like we were drawn to dawn and we wanted to tell this story and now uh you know we've collected this stuff that we don't think anybody else has um and we have the ability to tell the story why shouldn't we do it you, you guys have very much become an authority on his story and his background and as a matter of fact, when people ask me that question, I give them the, I tell them like what I know. I give you guys all the credibility you deserve because, you know, and I've told you this before where I've said, oh yeah, they've corrected me. And I'm a longtime Tiki guy. Like I think, <laughs> I think I know everything about Don, but I clearly don't. And so, uh, I think that's also because we were nervous before we interviewed you. We were doing a lot of research oh, before we came to interview. Yeah, so so like really, what it was, it was just a matter of me studying a little more than you the night before. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. But it worked though. But yeah. it worked. It worked. It worked. So, what's the next step? Where, where do you guys go from where you are today? Sure. So. Okay, so we've been at this how long? Almost a year, around a year at this point. And a lot of that has been research and kind of building up these connections. We started this before the lockdown. Yeah, so I we guess started you're talking right. to people. So you're I guess right. it's been so more it's than been a, year. a year and a half. Wow, roughly. Wow. wow. Um, so at this point, we, we've interviewed a lot of people in the lo- you know, LA area, greater Los Angeles area primarily. The next step is there's a bunch of other people we need to talk to, but they're on the road. So traveling and then and then there's a ton of other stuff that comes after that. There's right. a lot of post-production right. work right. and going through all the images and all of that stuff. But the, the next big step is the, the traveling things. And so that means, you know, we're going to interview Jeff Berry and we're going to go talk to Tim. And there's a list of probably another dozen to 15 to 20 people depending wow. on depending wow. on how many people we actually include Holy moly. yeah and how, how much we yeah. can raise but you know yeah. it's all kind of like it's all dependent on what we're able to make happen you know right. yeah right funding and all that kind of stuff so i think you guys have a kickstarter that you're going to be putting up yes so let's talk about the kickstarter and let's express to our audience that wants to help how they can help and because we at the Desert Oasis Room want to do our part to making sure that you guys get to finish this project the way that you yeah. deem it should be done. And so how can we help you do that? Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we are starting a, we are launching a Kickstarter uh, sometime soon. I don't know exactly when this will air, but we'll say sometime soon. Okay. And there's going to be some cool backer rewards on it. We're working 
with this guy named Shag that you may have, <laughs> might have heard of that guy. Uh, yeah. Um, jo- yeah, Josh has been, he is part of the project and he has, you know, he was kind of one of the guys early in the Tiki scene, the revival that was important. And he has he created a Dawn mug. So that's going to cool. be one of the one of the backer rewards. Uh, there's some pins that we're going to have on there, inspired by some of the early Dawn's menus. Tiki masterclass, Tiki cocktail masterclass with guest guest professor Adrian. Adrian. Oh, I didn't know I was doing. Oh, I'll, I'll You've do it. You've already done it. I'm I'll do it. Shot it. Okay. Oh, we, oh, we did. Yeah, we did. Oh, yeah. After oh, okay. your interview, you showed us how to make a uh, what. What, what drink did we I make? I forgot what we did. We did the Cula. Cumatra Cula. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. Well, I wouldn't so you, call that a master class, but well, for well, the for the purposes of our but if you, starter, but if, uh, but if you guys want to watch me out. make a Cumatra Cula, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, we also yeah. have uh, Mike Buen and Marie King. Marie King. Right. Yeah, we have a lot of and, a lot of good bartenders. Yes. Um, you know. Uh, showing how to make lots of Don's cocktails. So that, that's a kind of a cool reward, I think. I um, love it. Even if it's just for the, you know, the fun of it, I, I feel like it's, you know, everybody can make these drinks at home, but to like yeah. see how Marie King how makes this, you know, yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. It's like, it, it's just, it's fun. Yeah, so we've got that. And then of course uh, you can, you know, contribute a little bit of money and make sure you get to see the film as soon as it's done. There's another level, which is a, a special thank you in the credits for people who want to be involved and might see want to see name your name on the, on the yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah. Um, here's a top secret thing, which I think we can share for the first time, actually. You're probably the first person to hear about this. Okay. So well, we're going to. the first one to hear about this. I thought we said everything. I hope not. Uh, no, no. There's, so some of these interesting Dawn stories we're going to tell through animation so we're working with an animator to come up with some visuals Very to go nice. along with some of these things and we're, we're creating a, a tier in the kickstarter for people who might want to be sitting at Don's in, bar in the animation yeah, like sitting at Don's an animated oh, extra my <laughs> yeah. oh my god so that I might have to break out a credit card <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, to, 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 be, to be at to be at Don's bar yeah. you know I do so, have a question that yeah. I ask a lot of people if you could travel anywhere in time when would you go hmm. yeah I often say that I'd love to be sitting at the bar when the Ray's mistake was created. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. But I have also said in the past that I would love to be at Don's Beachcomber Cafe on opening day. Mm. I would. I I kind of would like to go back to like the year before, like maybe 1932, and mm-hmm. see if it was open. See if, oh, it was a speakeasy, see if it was a speakeasy because that's you know that's that's kind of one of the biggest things that we're trying yeah. to verify it's like when did dawn's really I open? love it um because it's very unlikely that it opened the day prohibition ended yeah. he just opened the door yeah. <laughs> on repeal day yeah but it was already there i right. would like to go back to the day the zombie was invented because there's a there's so many stories there's about a that. few yeah. stories right. and learning which of those if any is true would yeah. be would be pretty right. interesting. Yeah. right we we've got a good one in the film yeah it's a good story That's in the awesome. film that i don't think is a story anybody has heard yet yeah at least we have not seen any anything about it before so that's that's kind of something exciting is we think we know the true story of how the zombie was created we may we may have it in the movie (laughs) 
But even it. even then, it's there's some yeah. questions. <laughs> I love it. Well, I am going to time this recording, so by the time you guys are hearing this, you can look at the description below for the link yeah, to and if you the go Kickstarter. To, oh, cool. Great. Uh, thedawnoftiki.com. Remember, there's the two N's tiki? in Dawn. Okay. So thedawnoftiki.com. Uh, that should also hopefully at this point take you to our Kickstarter. Yes. There you go. There we go. And then let's also throw out the social medias if anybody wants to follow you guys on social media. The Dawn of Tiki at, at everything. So okay. Instagram, the Dawn of Twitter. Tiki. Yeah. yeah, the Dawn of Tiki. Two ends. Two, two ends and Dawn. Yeah. Two ends and Dawn. Yeah. All right, perfect. Well, we here at the Desert Oasis Room are committed to helping you see this project to fruition. So whatever we can do, you let me know. And I'm happy to accommodate you in any way that I can. Well, you've Even been if a it huge means help to us already throughout the. Well, you know. of course, I'm a tiki guy, and I'm a friend of you guys, so it's it's my honor. And if it, and I'm going to throw this out here, and I'm putting this out to the public, so this is real. If you want to include something in one of your tiers to have a private party here at the Desert Oasis Room to help raise money, then the Desert Oasis Room is yours. Wow. So. <laughs> that is a cool well yeah okay so the kickstarter has not been finalized yet yeah, okay. so i'm just uh, throw, i'm just throwing that out there so anyway please follow our friends at the dawn of tiki the dawn of tiki.com the link for the kickstarter will be in the description and thanks again for joining us on the podcast guys thank, thank you so you. much for having oh, us can i say one more yeah. thing about yes. the kickstarter yeah. i yes. need to chime in at the end there's some cool swag and stuff, but we really are hoping that people just are interested and want to support the project. So even if you don't want to give us money, come check it out and follow and see what's going share. on. Yeah. Yeah. Share. Share, yeah. share with your friends. Like it's a, It really is sort of a community effort. Yeah. And, yeah, we, and if, if and all our listeners out there, you know, if you're not in a position to, to help or anything like that financially, it helps to just share the link. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So throw the link up there, and, and we will give you 1,000 thank yous for that. That's yeah. right. And if there's anybody out there who has information about Dawn that you think nobody else knows, please email us. Yeah. <laughs> Info see. at the, the dawnoftiki.com. Yes. Um, we would love to talk to you because, uh, you know, like Max said, it's a community effort. And, Very cool. You know, anybody, you know... It's all about collecting these stories and figuring out what's what's real and what's not. Do we know a projected finish release or anything like we're, that yet? We're hoping to have a cut done next year. Okay. Um, as far as release, I mean, that really, it all just kind of depends on what we're able to do. We should have something like a cut done that is showable to people. Um, hopefully sometime next year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the goal. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's kind of a weird project because the scope of it has changed as we've gotten of deeper into yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But we are, we are making some, some good progress and the Kickstarter is a huge help because if we can raise the funds to get the traveling done, that's a huge, perfect chunk of it yeah. also. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this one up. For our listeners, if you would like to see us make a drink from <laughs> Don the Beachcombers archives, I think we're going to try to do the whole QB Cooler Mai Tai thing. Yeah, yeah we're going to compare and contrast. And so by the time we release this, I, I hope that I also have the video up on our YouTube. We're going to put the link for that in the description below as well. If 
If it's not there, just go to the YouTube, youtube.com slash Polynesian Pop. We'll have it up there soon. You can subscribe so that you don't miss it. But uh, in the meantime, we're going to do the video next. And uh, if you guys want to follow archive and hear any of the other stuff that we've done in the past, go to our archive at desertoasisroom.com. You can get new episodes there. You can send me an email, talk me into doing a podcast with you too, if you want. Yeah. <laughs> and make sure you follow our friends at The Dawn of Tiki. Thanks again, guys. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Adrian. Adrian. This is great. You're welcome. Yeah. Alrighty, cheers, everybody. Bye.